Thanks for being here for week two of the series we're calling Staying in Love. If you missed last week, what we talked about was the fact that falling in love and staying in love aren't really the same thing. The love that you fell into is not going to get you through 60 years together and all the ups and downs that come with a life together. You need something different. You need something better. And so that's what we kind of laid the foundation with last week as we started the series. Uh, if you missed that, I would really encourage you sometime this week, uh, head over to our website, loamicc.com resources, and get caught up on that. Now today, as we begin, I want to introduce you to, whoops, so I skip ahead. Uh, I wanted to introduce you to a couple of people. Pull this back so everybody can see. A couple of people. And I was introduced to these people by Andy Stanley. So we have Mr. Mug and Mrs. Mug. And Mr. and Mrs. Mug are like a lot of us. You know, they met, fell in love. Maybe they met after college. We don't know the whole story. And when they first got together, when they first met each other, every interaction was so careful. Every time they were together, they were just so careful. They were on their best behavior around each other, right? Nobody tried to get overly angry. In fact, they were so in love with their rose-colored glasses on that even when one of them did something bad, they just thought it was cute. It wasn't, it wasn't rude or crude. It was, just, it was just cute, you know? And so everything they did at first, it was just all gentle, you know? They kept all the embarrassing bodily noises to themselves, all that stuff you do when you're dating. And then they got married, and what happens when you get married and you've been married for a while is you kind of relax. You're not always on your best behavior anymore. And then eventually, you hit a bump. You hit your first big disagreement. You get into a fight or something of that sort, and you kind of bump. And after that first big bump, stuff came out. And he's like, whoa, where did that come from? I never saw that when we were dating. And she says, I didn't know you had anger issues. And he says, well, I didn't have anger issues until you bumped me. And then if you're married long enough, then guess what? They bumped again and more stuff came out. And after that time, he had to sleep on the couch for a few days. But then they kept, you know, worked things out and then they got back together. And then eventually they hit another bump and more stuff came out. And then she went to stay with her mother for a few days. And she's telling her mom, I didn't know he was like that. That's not the man that I married. And he's sitting back at home thinking, oh, she makes me so mad when she talks about that stuff, when she does those things, when she brings up that topic. Oh, it just makes me so mad. I can't keep it in. I'm so angry all the time. And, she, and so he says to her that when she comes back from her mom's, of course, she, he says to her, why are you like that? I never saw any of that when we were dating. And then she says, well, when we argue, when that, the temperature rises, you just make me act that way. And so here they are, married and convinced that all this junk keeps coming out because the other one's behavior is out of line. And so Mr. Mug's convinced that all the blue beads keep spilling out because Mrs. Mug keeps doing things and saying things. And Mrs. Mug is convinced that all those junk, all that, those beads keep coming out of her is because he keeps saying things and doing things that just she can't quite contain. Now here's, it's going to blow your mind. You ready for this? You might want to write this down. The reason blue beads come out of Mr. Mug when they hit a bump is because that's what's in Mr. Mug, blue beads. The reason red beads come out of Mrs. Mug, you're writing it down, are because that's what's in there. That's what she's full of, red beads. Now, you might say, okay, I don't get any of that. What are you talking about? Well, here's the, here's the deal. They are both convinced that the problem is the other person's behavior. The problem is you say these things and that makes me act that way. You 
were cruel. You said something hurtful, and that makes me act that way. But the reason the junk comes out, whether it's an anger problem or whether it's cold, biting, mean comments, the reason those come out is because they were already in there to begin with. Now, we are the same way. We all have junk in us, things that we try to hide if we, uh, you know, when we're dating, things that we know aren't great. We try to be on our best behavior. Um, could be emotions of any kind. It could be a history of bad relationships or somebody betrayed us growing up and that just did something to us. It could be insecurities that we have as we grow up into life and you get worried about certain parts about yourself and you're not comfortable with certain parts about yourself. But when you get into that long-term relationship and you get that first big bump, and for a lot of people, that first big bump, that first thing that jostles you kind of off your nice little stable base where you project this person that you want to be to the world, the first big bump that kind of knocks you off that foundation usually comes when you get in your first serious long-term relationship. Because like I said, one, when you're around somebody enough, you relax. You just relax your behavior. I, I always tell people uh, when, they're, when I'm doing premarital counseling, now don't be surprised because right now you've both been on your best behavior. You're getting ready to learn a whole lot about each other in the next coming years that you've kind of been hiding up until this point. And you don't do it intentionally. You just, I don't know, you go out and you put on your best behavior, right? But the other thing that makes the bumps feel so big once you get into a long-term relationship, especially a marriage relationship, there is something about that I do till death, that, that finality of I'm stuck with you. That means I'm stuck with your problems. I'm stuck with you never putting the toilet seat down. I'm stuck with underwear on the floor. I'm stuck with you being overly critical about how clean everything is. I'm stuck. There's something about that finality of marriage that makes all those bumps feel a little bit more serious and a little bit more scary. And so you hit that first big bump and things come out and you act ways that you really honestly aren't proud about. You've said things that you really wish you hadn't said. You don't, you don't really want to be the person that says those kinds of things. But ultimately, whose fault is it? It's their fault because they made you act that way. They're the ones that dug that out. It never came out before. Their behavior, their actions, their words are what are digging those junky things out of you. And that's kind of where Mr. Mug and Mrs. Mug find themselves. It's the other person that makes my beads come out. But yet the reality is those beads were in there to begin with. They were going to come out eventually. It just took the right bump to shake them loose. And so often what we have in our relationships, it's not, it's not a behavior problem. The problem is not their behavior. The problem is your heart. The problem is, like every one of us, you've got junk inside of you that's not pleasant. That's why we call ourselves sinners. Not everybody likes to use the word sinner, but good grief, if you've been around a person for very long, you know that even the nicest, smiliest, kindest person's got junk on the inside. That's just who we are and how we have kind of gotten ourselves as we've gotten older. Now, there's a, a short proverb that teaches very clearly that what's inside of you will find its way out. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows... The springs of life. Uh, if you have an NIV translation or some others, they will say, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the springs of life. First part of that sentence, guard, protect, keep it safe. Keep your heart safe. Keep bad stuff out and keep the good stuff in. 
Why? Because out of your heart flows your life, your behavior, your actions, your thoughts. They all start inside of you. So what that means is nobody made you go into a blind rage. Nobody, your man is not the one who made you say something that was so cutting and so cruel. Those things were already in your heart. A fight, maybe it brought it out, a bad situation, a, a bad doctor's visit. Something can bring that out, but eventually that stuff was going to come out anyway. It's not the fault of your spouse. The way to say it, what's in you will eventually come out of you. What's, ev- what's in you will eventually come out of you. And so basically, it's not the other person's fault that they came out. That stuff was in there. The relationship just makes it more likely to spill and to find its way to the outside. But if those beads are in there, whatever junk you have in your life, let me tell you, it's going to come out eventually. You can't hide it forever. And even if you aren't aware that it's in there, you don't want to know about it, and you don't want to deal with it. And so the thing that I've noticed after being a pastor is when you start talking about people's hearts, we don't really love that. I can talk about your behavior all day long, and people will say, good sermon. But when I start telling you to start digging into the junk of your heart, people start getting clammy. And we don't like to kind of look down, and nobody wants to talk about that their heart might be bad, that there might be junk, sinful, nasty, evil junk inside of you. When I start actually trying to drive home the truth that you and I are sinners, and we are broken in the deepest parts of ourselves, we don't really want to talk about that. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is that digging into our hearts can be painful, and it can be difficult. Because you've probably got stuff in your past, emotions that you haven't dealt with, and going through that stuff, it hurts. If you've got trust issues from something your mom or dad did to you growing up, digging back into that and how it's affecting your now marriage, your now relationships, that is difficult, painful stuff. You don't want to relive that at all. And so the process of digging into your heart can be bad. And another reason why it's difficult is because sometimes you don't even know what you're going to find when you start digging around in your heart. Because some of us, we don't know, let alone understand, all of the emotions that are rattling around inside of us. Now let me pick on guys for a minute. Guys, we are notoriously bad at not knowing what we're feeling. We are. It's just the way it is. I don't know if you know this, but uh, we are ignorant. That doesn't mean stupid. It just means we're kind of unaware, unlearned in emotions. Uh, ladies, it's not that, we t- guys tend to think, by the way, that ladies are more emotional. It's not that they're more emotional. It's just that they are more aware of the emotions they have. Guys, here's how stupid we are. We only think we have two negative emotions. We got frustrated and we got angry. Ladies, back me up here. How many times, what's wrong, are you mad? I'm not mad, I'm just frustrated. Well, it looks an awful lot like mad. That's because, that's because frustrated and angry are like this far apart in our brains, Okay. Um, I've told the story about how I launched a car seat across my front yard only to be caught by Lita Bilyeu, which is one of the greatest (laughs) regrets of my life, you know. (laughs) Just once, I want to see Lita throw something in anger, you know, just once. Just to make it even, but 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 like it's but here's the, that's we don't know we just equate everything with frustrated or angry and and so every emotion we have we just kind of put it in one of those two boxes because we don't always understand what's going on inside of us and it's just because we've never been taught to monitor what's going on in our hearts our whole lives we've been taught to monitor our behavior your parents you grew up and your parents told you not to lie they told you not to hit your brother. They told you to say please and thank you. No one ever told me or got into me and said, now why did you tell that lie? 
What about yourself were you trying to protect? Nobody ever got to the heart issue behind the lies I told. My mom never asked me why I was so angry at my brother, which the answer would be, well, look at him. <laughs> he needs it. I, was, I, I didn't stand a chance. He was 11 years older than me, but that never stopped me. I was a brave little guy or foolish, either one. No one, no one ever got into my heart about why I didn't ever take the time to say please and thank you and why it was important to be grateful. No one ever stopped and talked to me about those things. It was all about behavior, not what's going on at the deeper level in our hearts. And so most of us, we don't do this because we don't know how and because it's hard and difficult, and so we just shy away from it and just hope to clam up until a better day comes by and we can just put on the happy emotions because we got those. We got happy and joyful and grateful. We just can't get the negative ones. Another reason why we often don't want to admit that we've got a heart problem is because we don't want to admit that we are the problem. You know, I love thinking that when Abby and I are kind of off sync, I love thinking that it's her fault. That I always think it's her fault to start with. It rarely is, but that's where I always start. Why? Because it feels better. By the way, I'm not going to look at her while I'm saying these things because I'm afraid something's going to be my fault. And so, um, <laughs> so but, but you know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't want it to be our fault. It's easier to say that the reason I acted that way was his anger. It was her mean words. It was his jealousy. I'm only the way I am because of what you did. It's easier to pass that blame off to someone else. And so when you admit that you're the problem, that's so hard because it's not only humbling, it's often humiliating because you want to be the winner. You want to be the victim of their bad behavior, but you're not. And when it's not your fault, you can go to your friends and say, can you tell, listen to what they did, and you can play the victim, and you can tell your one-sided story, and all your friends are going, that's terrible. You poor thing. And you're like, yeah, that's right, poor me. And they're all backing you up, and that feels good. Admitting that you might have an issue is difficult. And so what people will often do is they will get into a relationship and the beads come out, you know, and, and Mr. Mug will be convinced that it's Mrs. Mug's problem. And, and so the, we have a relationship problem and she's the problem in the relationship. And so I'm going to get out of this relationship and I'll find another one. And so Mr. Mug finds a new Mrs. Mug. And guess what? Beads still keep coming out. Oh, Mr. Mug. So there's the problem. There are pro that, new, that new Mrs. Mug's the problem, so he moves along again. And before you know it, Mr. Mug's, he's four relationships deep, and them, them beads just still keep coming out. And Mr. Mug will be so clueless that he'll say, boy, I really stink at picking women. Or if it's a woman, boy, I just, I just always pick the wrong men. Well, what's the common denominator in all of your terrible relationships? It's you right? But none of us do that. It's always the ones that we're picking, and so we don't want to admit that we are the problem, but that's usually the way it is. And I'm not saying the behavior of your spouse or your significant other or whatever, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't play a role. I'm just saying that more often than not, we will ignore the junk in our heart because it feels better to blame it on somebody else to blame the issues on somebody else. And we will always take the primary stance of, how dare you, rather than what's going on in me. You see, Jesus spoke about this stuff too. He also taught that your behavior, what, what comes out of you, started because there was something wrong in you. In Mark chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, 
adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. And so if you really want to fix whatever your junk is that comes out and messes up your relationships, because we've all got that. I'm not saying anybody in this room is worse off, okay? Please contain your elbows, if you would, for the remainder of the message. But if you really want to tackle the beads, you got to start tackling what's going on inside of you. You can't just clam up and put a lid on it and hope that stops it. If it's in there, it's still going to find its way out. Now, what I want you to realize now is what I've been talking about so far is not a relationship issue. I've been wrapping it up like it's a relationship issue, but it's not a relationship issue. You can take one or the other out of the equation and you still got junk in you. Relationships just make it a little more likely to pop out. So this isn't a relationship issue. This is actually a spiritual issue that affects relationships that you are going to be in. So you don't have to be in a relationship for this stuff to be applicable to you because it is our hearts that are the mess. It is not just our relationships that are the problem. The relationship thing is secondary. This is a spiritual issue, and again, it boils down to the fact that you and I are sinners. We are imperfect humans who far too often think of ourselves above other people. And that creates so much of a mess because sin's nature is to kill and destroy. That's just what sin does. That's why God hates it so much. That's why God sent his son to deal with it in the most express and brutal way possible was because sin kills people. And he sent Jesus to die on a cross so that he could kill sin before sin killed us completely. And so Jesus is the solution to this heart issue that we have going on inside of us. He died on the cross, and in doing so, he took everybody's sin and junk on his shoulders, and he died for the eternal consequences of, those, of that sin, so that you and I would no longer have to be destined for hell because of our sin. He takes that away, and he gives us forgiveness of our sin. But another thing he did on the cross was he broke sin's hold in your life. You see, before Christ, it says that sin has its, like, it's, just got, it's like a, a kid grabbing onto your leg. How many of you ever had a kid grab onto your leg, and, and you're like, just let go? And, they, and, and you're, they think it's all fun and games, and you're like, just let go! And you're trying to do something, and you're doing one of those, and then if you've got two kids on the legs, you've got to kind of, like, you like walk like you've been riding a horse for two months, you know? And, but, like, it, it grabs onto you like that, and it doesn't want to let go. But it's only after Jesus comes into your life and breaks the hold of sin that you can actually start shaking sin off and walking a better path. And as scary as it might be to admit, I'm a sinner, I have a heart issue, that's actually one of the basic steps of being a believer in Christ. It's one of the foundational principles of who we are as believers. Again, not necessarily a relationship issue. This is a heart issue, a spiritual issue that we must address. And the hope that we have with our heart problems is that we don't have to deal with it alone. You see, there was a verse, uh, a prophecy, if you will, that was spoken about Jesus hundreds of years before he even showed up on the scene. Ezekiel spoke about the work that God would do through Jesus and the Holy Spirit in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. He said, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. God promised that in Jesus we would have access to shed our broken heart and take on something newer and better. He said, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
The idea of a heart of stone is one that's obstinate and resistant to being fixed, but a heart of flesh is soft and receptive to the work of God. Okay, so you say, okay, Anthony, all that to be said. Let's say I'm going to admit I have a broken heart. I'm a mess. I've got something I've got to deal with. What now? Because I can't just stand up here and say, you need God to fix your heart. That's not very helpful. It's vague, and, and sometimes you can get away with saying that in a sermon that you just need God. He'll fix it all. But that's not entirely helpful. I think God meant for us to kind of partner with, this, partner with him in this idea of getting better and walking like Jesus. There's reasons why in the New Testament it tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're supposed to do what we can to fight closer, to be more like Jesus every day, to fight to take steps to be closer like Jesus. And so when it comes to having these broken hearts, I think there's a couple of things that we can do. And the first thing, I think we've got to first identify what's going on in your heart. And again, that's the hard work that none of us want to do. But the way I think you do it is when you're, maybe, let's, let's go back to the relationship thing. Maybe you're in a relationship and the temperature starts rising in an argument or a disagreement. Before you say something, how many of you have had your parents tell you, think before you speak? Yeah. Great advice, right? That's solid advice. I'm going to add a couple words to that. Think about what you're feeling before you speak. Why are you going to say that thing that's hurtful? Why are you going to say that thing that you think is going to just kind of put an end to that argument and kind of, ha-ha, I won. Uh, my, my youth minister and his wife, I used, to, I used to get such joy from watching them argue. I know that sounds evil and wrong, right? But they would fight, and they fought in just such different ways that I, I just it, I got the giggles watching them fight because here's how she would fight, and I equate it to like a sword fight. She would fight just swinging wildly, trying to get anything that she could that would make him think, you're wrong, you're wrong, you did this and this and this and this and this, and she's just going to town, mile a minute talking, going off on him. And he'll sit there just clamming up, which one makes her swing a little harder, you know. When he's, But he's sitting there, you know, he's just waiting for his opening, and he just takes that and he just wants to get the, right to the heart. Like he would wait and he would say that one thing that most often would make her cry because it hurt her feelings. Granted, they were brand new married. I'm sure they've grown out of this by now, hopefully. And so, but, but I, it just said, like, man, you guys are so weird. Like, she's swinging away just trying to cut you to pieces, death by a thousand cuts, and you just want to get that one shot to the heart, you know? But why? Step back in those moments and think, why do I want to say these things? Why do I want to be hurtful in this way? One instance I remember in my life, and I didn't realize it until a long time later, and Abby and I have talked about this one a lot, it was before we got married, and she was living with Bruce and Lita down the road because uh, she was doing her internship at Hope Church. And there was some Saturday we were supposed to hang out. I don't even remember what we were supposed to do, but I was supposed to pick her up, and we were going to hang out for the day. And I was late. I don't know if I slept in, didn't set an alarm, I don't know. Um, I was still kind of w- operating on college time, Anthony, you know, in those first few years. And so I was late to pick her up. And so I go to pick her up, and her and Bruce are sitting in the living room watching TV. And she got on to me for being late. Now, I say got on to me. If you know my wife, you know, she's a gentle person, and her getting on to someone is not that big a deal. Unless you're our kids, that is. She's pretty gentle on most people that aren't our kids, but man, she can be a mom like nobody's business, right? Uh, when, but, but she was, so she gets on to me, I don't remember, and I was immediately furious. Immediately furious. And so uh, I was going to go get her, and we were, she was going to drive a car uh, back to the house, and to, to, to the house next door, and then we were going to go do something. I made her drive by herself, and I walked back. So mad. I wasn't going to ride those two blocks in the car with her. 
And I remember walking, how dare she? She did that. And I'm, I'm so mad grumping the whole way back home. I'll tell you what I didn't realize for years. I was embarrassed that Bruce was there and she called me out for being late in front of Bruce. I was embarrassed. It wasn't that she was necessarily wrong. I'm the one who was late. She had every right to get on to me for being late. That was totally legit, but I was embarrassed. And again, because I didn't know what I was feeling, I just thought, well, I don't know what this is, so I better be mad about it. That's how oftentimes we operate, guys. And so I jumped to being mad. And again, it took me years to kind of track back that down or track that back down and get the emotional intelligence to realize what was actually happening in my heart that made the anger come out. Um, you've all heard the joke. We've all joked about it probably that um, if your wife asks you if she looks fat in these pants, that it's a trap. Some of you are already nervous, right? You don't even know. Oh, no. Because some of you just messed this up like this week, and you're like, don't bring it back up, man. I just got over it. I just got off the couch. Stop, Anthony, right? Um, well, here's the thing. And this applies. Okay, if, if, there, if that is a trap, let's say, let's say that, ladies, he said whatever the thing was that was wrong, and you're furious. Why are you mad? Is, is, there, is there an insecurity lying underneath that? Is it the fact that you, you're comparing yourself to, peop, to women at work? Are you comparing yourself to the moms that you run into when you go to pick your kid up from school? Is it the fact that you were just having a bad day, feeling bad about yourself, and you just thought, if anybody's going to make me feel better, it's going to be him. And now he said the dumbest thing possible, and you're just irate because he didn't get it. And let me just say, here's why guys don't get it. Because we, we're just dumb. <laughs> Emotionally dumb. Because you will get mad at your husband for say, saying something, and he walks away and goes, I don't know what I'm in trouble for. She asked me if she looked fat. I said a little, and now she's furious. <laughs> if she didn't want to know, then why'd she ask me? <laughs> and we walk away, and, see, and so there's this huge miscommunication, but chances are it's not that there's necessarily evil at work. It's just that we didn't track back what was going in our heart. We weren't honest, and because what was in us came out of us in the bad way, and we thought the marriage was bad, we thought we had a relationship problem, but what we had was just two human sinners being married, and of course there's going to be mess, of course there's going to be a friction, but the way you've got to track it down is you've got to start in your behavior and work it back to find out what's in your heart. Before you, it's better if you can catch it before those words come out of your mouth, but some of us, we just don't have that gift from God, okay? Some of us don't, aren't blessed with that sort of a filter. Some of you were a paragraph into something you shouldn't have said before you're thinking, maybe I shouldn't have said all this stuff. But, but it's good to take those and track them back and to grow and to learn what things trigger you and follow what's going on in your heart because once you know, here's what you can do. Once you know, you can tell your spouse about it and say, you know what, I know that whole thing just blew up, but here's what was really, I think, going on in my heart. I was embarrassed. I felt insecure. I was frustrated. I was anxious about something at work, and the pressure just hit me, and it wasn't your fault. It wasn't anything you said. It just, it just happened. It, I'm so sorry. You can answer that and explain to them what's going on in your heart, because here's one thing that'll happen. When you have somebody that, when they do things that they know is going to, like, set you off, mature, intelligent, emotionally intelligent people will not do those things anymore. Immature people will continue to push that button over and over again, and they need to grow up. But if you know what's going on inside of you, you can let them know what's going on, and you can get on your knees before God and say, God, I'm so angry. 
and I don't know what's going on. Help me figure it out. Or God, I'm so angry, and I think it's because of this. I think it tracks back to what happened six years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago. God, can you please help me? I know my heart is evil. I know I'm a broken sinner, and I know you want to give me a new heart. God, please give me a new heart. At least you know where to start. At least you know what to pray for. And at least you can start being receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because God wants to help you with this stuff. Again, it's not a relational issue. I don't mean this to sound like a bunch of psycho babble fluff. This is the way it is being a Christian. We have broken hearts, and our Heavenly Father sent Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help clean out the junk so that we can be better people, more healthy people, walking in the footsteps of Jesus that He has for us, and that would overflow and bless every area of our life, even our romantic marriage relationships. So be careful with what's in you. Be careful what you entertain. Guard your heart above all else. Keep your heart within, with all vil, vil, vigilance, there we go, because what's in you will eventually come out of you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for passages like this and the words of Jesus that draw our attention to the real problem. It's not our behavior that makes us wrong. It's not our our actions that are necessarily evil it's if they're evil it's because they were evil long before we committed those actions it started in the heart and until we deal with what's going in the heart if we're just worried about behavior and he said and she said all we're dealing with is the symptom and not the disease but you came father so that we could be made new from the inside out you came to take that heart inside of us that's resistant to change, that's resistant to help, that's resistant to admitting that we have a problem. And you came to soften our heart and give us a heart of flesh so that we can actually feel, feel what's going on inside of us. We can feel the things that are evil in the depths of our soul and we can start working with your help to clear them out. And I pray that we would be people that are humbled enough to say, I need help, to say, I have something in my heart that needs to be dug out. I have evil in me. I have anger issues. I have insecurity issues. I have something in my heart that needs to be dealt with because those things are there. And pretending like they're not, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. And so all of us are sinners, and we admit that to you now. We come before you humbly asking for your help to clean out what's inside of us. We want something better to be inside of us, something more holy, more righteous, so that what comes out of us is not evil and deception and, and cruelty, but what comes out of us are, are fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May those be the things that are overflowing out of our heart, not the nastier things that we tend to hide and pretend aren't there. So cleanse our hearts so that we can be more like Jesus. It's in His beautiful name we pray. Amen.